Before we begin, we'd like to mention that this episode of Muslim Mind has been brought to you by DC Muslim Youth and Adams Fairfax. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of Muslim Minds, a podcast where we aim to inspire and empower young Muslims by having meaningful conversations with individuals who have already found success in their life while remaining grounded in their Islamic faith and values. We hope through the stories they share and their experiences, you can benefit and learn and grow to achieve your goals while remaining grounded in your Islamic faith and values. In this week's episode, we are joined by Dr. Hassan Zahwa, who's a partner at Guidehouse Public Health Sector. In today's episode, we discussed his experience being in the army for 23 years, how that's impacted him and his family's life, as well as the stigma around being Muslim and being in the army. We also discussed a little bit about what he does now and advice for those who are interested in supporting their country and, and, and helping their country without necessarily going down the military route. And without further ado, let's get started. So thank you for being here, uh, Dr. Hassan. Um, before we get started, we have a little bit of like an icebreaker that the previous guest has asked you without knowing it was you. And the question is, what's your favorite thing about your job? My job allows me to pursue my passion. I'm passionate about improving access and care for soldiers, veterans, and their family. And I'm allowed to pursue my dream in the job that I'm in right now. So it's a fun job. I get to work with people that I like on projects that I like, fulfilling things that I like doing. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about your journey and uh, how you got to where you are today? Oh, it's a long road. <laughs> hey, I don't know to... how far you want me to go back. Um, just like the general. In general. Yeah. So, then we'll go a little bit deeper on each thing. So in the early 90s, I moved to the United States and, and I went to school in South Alabama. They moved up north, uh, decided to work in a clinical laboratory, but figured out that it wasn't enough. It wasn't fulfilling what I wanted to do. So I joined the military and ran clinical laboratories for the military for a long period of time. And during that time, I was able to manage HIV diagnostic laboratories, both, both here and overseas, and then retired from the military and joined a private firm. I'm a partner at that private firm now, mm -hmm. pursuing the same dream, basically. Uh, I mean, that's great, mashallah. That's a, it's a, it's a life long lived in life that, mashallah, you've done a lot of great stuff. So you spent 23 years in the United States Army. How has your time as a soldier impacted the work that you do today? professionally and like personally with your absolutely so being an immigrant to this country i was not afforded the opportunities that most of the people that were here uh, are afforded so what i needed to do is forge a path for myself i graduated college i did not own any loans i didn't have anything that um, that needed to be paid off but i saw where my future in the laboratory was which was a dead end basically mm -hmm. for me uh, because i was going to move from room to room getting promoted to become eventually the laboratory manager and that just was not enough for me. So one day we were at a McDonald's, my father, uh, and I were, and we saw a recruiter card in there. And he asked me, what is that? And I said, well, it's an opportunity at the army here to join the army. Uh, lo and behold, you know, I, I contacted the recruiter, joined the military, but joined under certain conditions. So I was not a fighter, I was not a combat battalion soldier. But I was, I was a scientist basically working in the army. So I got to pick my first assignment, which was Walter Reed. I got to pick the job that I wanted, which is clinical laboratory. And that has shaped who I am today. You know, the military taught me the discipline that is needed, the, the respect of time. All these things that we value as Muslims were ingrained in us in the military. Respect, tradition, and the importance of time, the importance of fulfilling duty, the importance of courage and selfless service. And that basically shaped who I am today. You know, served 23 years, moving from job to job, running clinical laboratories and things of that nature. 
until eventually I ran a team of 700 people oh, uh, to sure. deploy the electronic health record for the Department of Defense. And um, I retired at that point in time. Uh, retired is the wrong word. That transitioned from one job to the other. So basically, I left the military to work at a private firm now. Yeah. Um, what inspired you to pursue a career in medicine and healthcare administration? Like in that laboratory sense yeah so uh, being born and raised in a foreign country you can only be a, a doctor or an engineer mm. everyone no one else counted yeah <laughs> that's the mentality the parent had I, didn't, I knew i didn't want to be a doctor and i knew the path was too long i did not have the 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 patience to sit there and talk for hours with patients and understanding what they are but i wanted to help i wanted to impact the health and well-being of other individuals so I thought that the laboratory path was a perfect path for me, which, which turned out to be actually, you know, because you still help, you know, patients, you still improve the health of individuals without having to sit there and talk to them. You yeah. see samples from them, you diagnose it and send it on its own way. What have been some challenges that you faced throughout your time in the military and then transitioning into the, the, the career that you have now and the job that you have So now? despite the stigma that most people think that you're in the military, you're you know, uh, discriminated against, you're faced with racism, Islamophobia, I tell you throughout my 23 years, I have never felt uncomfortable in any situation there. I've always celebrated Eid, celebrated Ramadan with others, brought pastries and Eid and talked openly about these things. Uh, the challenge in the military was moving from place to place. Mm. Even though I was fortunate enough not to move too many times, but you could not establish a route, you could not establish a base anywhere because you're moving every three to five years yeah. to a new place. And that was the biggest challenge here. Transitioning to the civilian side, eh, it wasn't too much because you know it's, it's the same uh, line of work that I'm mm -hmm. doing or I used to do in the military, so I'm doing it right now and still working with people that I was with in the military. So it wasn't yeah. that much of a transition for me. How about when you were in the military, moving for every three to five years? I feel like that might have been a little bit hard for you to create that sense of community, that Muslim community, because you were always moving. How did you combat that with for you and your family? I'm you, assuming your family was moving around with correct, you as well. Correct. You know, I, I think for the first, let me think here. I think I served for 10 years before I got married. So the first 10 years I was by myself moving from place to place. It was a little bit easier, and I didn't have the connections with the Muslim's family at that point in time. But when we got married, we got married in, I was the director of the laboratory at the West Point Military Academy. We spent three years there, moved to Pennsylvania for five years to get a PhD, then moved here to this area. Because I was here to begin with, and I yeah. knew that this is a culturally diverse area. A lot of people are accepted here, so we wanted to come back here and raise a family. So my wife did not experience that many moves. I think we moved twice, her and I, mm. in the military. But prior to that, I moved a few times. How do you establish that? You always find, you know, I was telling... Um, but I thought a few minutes ago, I was at an event yesterday and throughout my 30 years here in this country, I've never been to an event where I didn't recognize a single person there. Oh, wow. So no matter where you go, you find people that you recognize, you find people that you assimilate with. And, and that was the situation in the military. There's always, you know, the military is a diverse culture, both racially and religiously. So it's an open community to Muslim, for Muslims to practice, for others to practice, or for anyone that doesn't want to do yeah. anything there. Of course. Have you received any stigma from Muslims looking outside in saying, oh, you were in no. the military and things absolutely, like that? Absolutely, absolutely. I feel like that I, is kind of like a challenge with a lot of people. Everybody thought I was a spy. Everybody oh, thought wow. that, you know, I'm out there to, you know, disseminate uh, uh, propaganda or, you know, collect information and help the military. And, and that couldn't be further from the truth. I've never spent a day uh, outside the laboratory. Yeah. I spent all my life in buildings here where we supported the soldiers, supported their families, which is something I believe in very strongly. But at mm -hmm. the same time, I'm not a traitor. I'm not a spy. 
I am who I am. I'm the yeah. right person for the right job at the right time. I mean, that's, I mean, honestly, that's, I think a lot of people, there's a, a lot of fear around mm-hmm. the idea of someone being in the military and like, they're just, people are always trying to put their intentions on other yep, people. Yep, yep. And they're like, oh, if I was in their position, I would be doing this for this reason. So they must be doing it for that same reason, the same wrong reason that they have in their head of why they would do something. Um, That's part of the reason. And the other part is is lack of knowledge. Mm. When there is a lack of knowledge, uh, rumors and perceptions tend to fill that void yeah. rather than gather the information and ask the question openly. It's like, what do you do? You know, What got mm. you to this path? You start filling the gaps. Oh, there must be this or there must be that. Or he must be doing X and must, yeah. or she must be doing Y. And it's a dangerous slope for any profession, not just the military, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll share something with you. When I walked into this masjid today and you were here and I heard you in the room here with a female. So it was Sister Abra was yeah. here. So you can either make assumptions or you can say, well, this is typical. You know, she's here for a podcast. I'm here for a podcast. Yeah. It's these perceptions and lack of knowledge is where people need to put good intentions in and ask questions and figure out what's going on. Yeah, of course. Have you ever experienced anything where people outside the military, outside this kind of, that kind of realm, it more feel like your personal and like faith life where people, where you've seen people who kind of put their intentions on other people and how have you kind of like navigated that, let's say either in the masjid sense or outside the masjid sense where people, you've noticed people like judging others yeah. without under like any understanding, yeah. like what, how have you navigated that and like have you... Have you seen that a lot, in a sense? You experience it everywhere. Yeah. Just because you're in the military or not, you, you experience things like that every day. I think the way around that is to be honest with who you are and with the people around you. That doesn't mean you have to answer every question you're asked. Sometimes the answer is, I don't want to tell you that piece mm-hmm. of information. I'm just going to stop right there. Or sometimes it's explaining things. But always put you know, your best foot forward. Put good intentions out there. And, and be who you are, you know, do things for the right reasons and don't fear anyone but Allah. Because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, you know, whether you believe in what I'm doing or not, that's not the point. The point yeah. is I believe in what I'm doing and I'm pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we're just going to keep going. Yeah. Do you have any advice for anyone that wants to go down the military, like that wants to serve their community, but not necessarily serving the military? Like how do you get into the military, but keeping but not doing the combat aspect and all this type of stuff. Like how, how does someone go about doing that? So there is no way out of it. I yeah. mean, you can't say, I am not going to be X, Y, and Z because uh, first and foremost, you are a soldier mm-hmm. and you're sworn to uphold the Constitution of the United States and to follow orders that are given to you. At the time the order is given, you have two choices here. You have the choice of following the order or facing the consequences, just yeah. like everything else in life. There are consequences for every decision or action or inaction that we take. So the advice is that your heart has to be into this and you have to believe in what you're doing because you can't fake this. Mm-hmm. You can't just join to say, well, I'm here for the benefits or I'm here for X, Y, and Z. You either believe in the mission or you don't believe in the mission. Yeah. After all, we are citizens of this country. You know, we Don't think of yourself as a transplant. Don't think of yourself as there's somewhere else to go. We were brought here for a reason and our mission is to live here. And we're part of this society. We're part of this fabric. So if you believe in that and you believe in the mission that the United States military is serving, by all means, join. But there are other options out there. There is the the public health service, which is a non-combat mission that allows mm-hmm. you to get into the forces that are defending the United States, but without the combat piece. There's the Peace Corps. They're serving at the NIH or the CDC or the FDA. There's many opportunities to serve other than picking the path of being a soldier or not. Yeah. But the, the most important thing is to be true to yourself. You know, don't fake this. Don't do this for the wrong reasons. Because 
If you do, you're gonna end up hating your life because you're gonna you may get called upon. I, I was there for 23 years. Luckily, I was not called upon. But had I been called upon, I would have filled that because I took the oath of defending the Constitution of the United States, and I'm a citizen of this country. Yeah, I mean, I think people just have to take into consideration that when they're gonna go into something, they have to be ready to just do as they're told, especially as a soldier. Because in other aspects of like, if you work for like a corporate job, you can dis- you can choose not to do something. You'll get fired. You might get a warning, things like that. But when you're in the military, there's like serious repercussions yes. to not taking an order and things it like just, that. So you have to be ready to kind of go in there and and take that order if it comes down. If you're not ready to do that, then it's probably not the best option to go down that. How would you recommend, what would you suggest to someone that wants to help their country, but not in the military, like outside the military? What are some like alternatives or things that they can do that isn't necessarily in the private sector but they could do to like kind of the public health service is a great option not mm-hmm. too many people know about that the united states public health service is a, a branch not of the military but the branch of the government that has the same rank structure same benefits same retirement benefits same everything mm-hmm. except the war mission their mission is serving the public health of the community so you can join that public health serve the community and do the great things that they're doing without having a combat as or the combat aspect of that man. yeah that, that, that worry that you may be called upon correct correct of course um transitioning a little bit away from the military and going more into like the medicine aspect of your career what kind of got you into that and like why did you want to go down that career maybe why not through tech or any other aspect what i know you said it was because like back home it's either your doctor your engineer <laughs> but there was like there has to be some part of you that is like really wanted to do this or there was another reason can you share a little bit about that so i didn't know this till later in life mm-hmm. i didn't know that i enjoyed public service so much i enjoyed helping others so much in the beginning so where i went to school i went to school in kuwait uh, it's unlike here you know here you graduate high school you apply to college and you get you get to pick your major and do whatever you want to do in in the country I was in, that was not the choice. The choice is you are given a major based on the grades that you received in school. Mm-hmm. So you score ninety eight percent and above, you get into pharmacy, ninety nine percent and above, you get into medicine and things like that. So that was part of the reason. The second part, it was just you know, if you fast forward forty years now, it was fate because what I started college as a computer science engineer. And I didn't want to be a computer scientist. So I said, maybe medical technology, which is working with equipment in the clinical yeah. field, is the field for me. So I switched from computer science to medical technology, only to find out that medical technology meant working in the laboratory and not actually working on equipment in the yeah. laboratory, being a scientist in the lab, not an engineer in the lab. You're only allowed to switch career once in the school that I went to. So I just followed that path. But like I said, I discovered later that this is where my passion is. I mm-hmm. really enjoy helping others. I really find myself in serving others without a return. And you find these things, and I wasn't religious early in my life, you find these things embodied in our religion, serving others for the sake of pleasing a higher powers, for the sake of pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's the reward that you get. And this is what you get from public service. Yeah. Because you don't get to see what you're doing. You know, in the military, I worked on deploying the electronic health record, serving Nine million beneficiaries. Nine million people are benefiting from that. The only people that I knew that benefit from this are the four in my family mm-hmm. because we use the medical treatment facility and we use the electronic health record. So that, that was the impact that I saw. But things that you're doing are impacting nine million people out there. Yeah. You could be walking next to you down the train, you wouldn't know, but you Absolutely. know in your head that you've benefited those nine million Absolutely. people and you've made their life better. Absolutely. Even just a little bit. What advice do you have someone that wants to go into the medical field, but they're uncertain? Because there's a lot of people out there who want to get the, go, go the, do pre-med, but are like uncertain. What's kind of like some alternatives to not being a doctor, but like 
staying within that medicine field? I say try it out. Mm -hmm. You know, there is this stigma or image that you need to be a doctor or I want to be a doctor because I see doctors are successful, they make a lot of money and they mm -hmm. live in a luxurious life. So I want to be a doctor. But you got to find out if you want that or not, because it's not for everyone. Yeah. You know, I, I remember the first time I was in the operating room assisting with a liver surgery. I passed out. I was on the floor. Oh. Yeah. And the second time I got lightheaded, so I had to sit down. And then I figured that's not the path that mm -hmm. I need. I need something different than this. And I knew that being a doctor or being an engineer or being whatever requires X, Y, and Z, either based on talking to people or trying it out yourself. Yeah. When you're in an internship or shadowing someone or talking to someone who's in the field, figure out what they do and see if that's where your heart is, if that's what ignites you, if that's what intellectually challenges you, if that's what excites you to wake up in the morning, and if that is what you want to do for the rest of your life. Yeah, of course. Um, how have you been able to balance your work and your faith and kind of like increasing your faith and that spiritual aspect of your life while maintaining that, that balance in life and having that like running that day job and then at night going and doing like these like uh more work for the muslim community things like that how have you been able to balance that that's a great question and, and i think the right balance for that is not a balance between work and religion or life and religion or family and religion it is that religion is the center of everything faith is the center that you build things on top of mm -hmm. so if that foundation is shaky everything you built on top of it is going to be shaky yeah. if you don't have you know strong faith if you don't have strong connections in the community if you don't have strong beliefs in what you're what you're reading basically in the Quran, everything else is going to be shaky. You're not going to be successful at your job because you're not steadfast on believing, on telling the truth and being honest and being forefront with yourself and with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you're going to fall short on your job. You're going to fall short on your family. You're going to fall short at school. You're going to fall short driving your car down the road, run into trouble with the cops. I think the foundation is the religion. And that's something that comes most people discover late in life to build that foundation and make it strong and everything else builds on top of that how would you suggest someone do that when they're in their like younger days like you could go back in time and give yourself some advice when you were like 18 19 20 in college trying to figure out what to do with your life surround yourself with the right people mm. 60 or 70 percent of the influence on the individual as they're growing up from the age of probably 9 10 all the way to mid 20s and probably late 20s is people around you if you don't surround yourself with the right people around you no matter what your parents are saying no matter what the sheikh of the masjid is saying no matter what's going on in life you're going to find yourself on the wrong path you want to do the right thing but all the five friends around you want to do the wrong thing you're going to go with the flow nine times yeah. out of ten and you're not going to strengthen that relationship with allah subhanahu wa you surround yourself with the right people that says it's time for asr at 5 15 we need to plan for that you're going to find yourself on the right path uh, I was listening to something yesterday, and I found it really, really interesting. Is do not do do not become the label for the sin that you're committing. Take the sin the way it is. Ask for repentance from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and keep it between you and Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Don't become the person that that sin is. And the guy was talking about a lot of things, and we're gonna have a khutbah on that, inshallah, one day. And the guy was talking about you know if someone is drinking, drinking is haram. You are not an alcoholic. You're not a drunken person at that point in time. I made a mistake and I need to stop. I need to repent. I need to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't embody the sin. Don't publicize the sin. Keep that between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Work on fixing that. So part of staying on that path is know that there's hope. Know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives. And know that you need to come back to the path. Now, later, the test or the punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is only going to get stronger as time goes by. Mm -hmm. So save yourself early on and just 
stop while you're ahead. Yeah, of course. Um, what would you say to someone who, let's say, they're, there's a lot of challenges in their life and they're, there's every time something else like goes good, something else that's much worse come, comes along and they're, let's say, they're going down a career path where everything, like there's just a block after block after block. How do you know when you just stop and do something else or if this is just test from Allah trying to strengthen you and trying to like see how far you're willing to go within that? It is always a test from Allah. Yeah. Whether, whether you stop or you keep going, it's a test from Allah. Where do you stop depends on what you want to do. You know, the thing is, we talked about the foundation. Your stopping or continuing cannot shake that foundation. If mm-hmm. that foundation is strong, whether I leave this job, stay in this job, does not change my faith, does not change my beliefs, does not change my commitment to the religion. So if faced with a test, and you know it's a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you accept the test, you try your best to persevere during that test and, and come out on the other end as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted you to be. But at the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala understands we're humans. We're going to yeah. fall short. We're going to make mistakes. We're, we're not going to succeed every single time. We're tested. And that's why repentance is there. So continue or give up, you know, persevere or not, is something that is up to you. And know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is judging you. So if stopping is not going to upset Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, stop. If, if stopping is going to upset Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you need to continue. And that's how you need to think about that. Of course, yeah. What has... Um... Something that happened in your life where you you can look back at it now and you're like, that was a changing point. That was a turning point in my life. I'm guessing my guess from what you said is that when you saw that recruitment flyer when you were at McDonald's with your dad, that kind of flipped the switch where it's like, oh, I might consider doing this instead of continuing this down this laboratory path where I'm like, move from lab to lab and eventually be a lab manager. But that military path was an option. It kind of just was there. Was that the turning, like, was that like a, hmm. like a, a turning point in your life? Or is there another one that is more prevalent and that you can think of right away? That's a very good question. I think my wife would like this if she hears it. I think the turning point in my life was actually getting married Mm. because, you know, it it changed so many many things for me. You know, it it opened new doors. It enlightened me and opened my eyes to a different path. You know, I told you I got married after serving 10 years in the military. So so you kind of are set on your ways by that point of time. And to have someone else in your life with a different perspective, different point of view, that is a partner that helps guides you is a turning point that helps you see things a little bit differently. Yeah, of course. I think, I mean, thank you for all that. It's been a pleasure having you here. Thank and you. If, again, I say this in every episode, but if, if, they get, if the audience didn't benefit from it, I know I did. I've learned a lot from this. Thank you so much. And um, before we uh, wrap up, we'll have that tradition, like I mentioned earlier, that where you will ask the next guest uh, the first question, the icebreaker question, without knowing who the guest is. So the uh, if you'd like to pick a number between 1 and 47, some of them are more deeper, some of them are more light-hearted questions. So if you want to pick a number between 1 and 47. 11. 11. The question is, what's the best piece of advice you've received? And actually, I'd like nice. to ask you that. What nice, is the best nice, piece of advice nice. you've received? And then we'll listen to the next episode, inshallah, and see... Uh, who the guest is and what they and how they reply to that. The best piece of advice I received. Hmm. I think it would have to be is be patient. Don't talk. Listen more than you speak. Mm-hmm. And just be patient. Take your time. Breathe in. And you're not going to have the answer all the time. So sometimes just saying, I don't know. I, I really need to find out what the answer is. Yeah. Taking your time. And just... Absolutely. Just pausing and taking a deep breath before acting. Yeah. Of course. Well, thank you for that. Um, 
I guess you guys will have to stay tuned for the next episode next week, inshallah, to see who the guest is and what their best piece of advice that they've ever received is, inshallah. Again, uh, episodes of Muslim Minds come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Uh, so thank you again. Thank you. Hassan for being with us today. And assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. If you're enjoying Muslim Minds and know someone else who might enjoy this as well, please take a moment and consider sharing this with them. That can either be through a link or... Telling, tell, telling them about this in person. By sharing, you'll help us inspire more Muslim youth out there. Also, if you're interested in being a guest or know someone who would be interested in being a guest, take a moment to DM us on Instagram at DC Muslim Youth or send us an email at social at dcmy.org. That's S-O-C-I-A-L at dcmy.org. Can't wait to hear from you and thank you for listening.